0: Good morning, StorySide. Good to see you all this morning. And to those of you online, we welcome you here. It's exciting to be in the house of God. I don't know about you, but I'm ready. Uh, I'm ready just to see what God has for us today. But I want to just welcome some of those online today. We have Mandy Renee, Tanya Lewis, who is currently in Oklahoma, Tulsa, I believe. Joe Moffitt, uh, Maddie is in college. We have Bella Jackson, Philip Farley, Kathleen Friend, and many more, but would you do me a favor and welcome all those online today? And before we even get started in today's message, I'd be remiss not to have an opportunity to honor my pastors, uh, who are not here today, but Pastor Micah and Angel Pelkey. I'm just so blessed, I don't know about you, but today... I'm even remembering all the more the importance of good leadership in times of crisis. That even in times where our nation's going through things, true leadership steps up. When, when people are in crisis, true leadership steps up. And I'm just thankful for our leaders, both Pastor Micah and Angel. They have planted, they have sown, and I believe we're going to see the harvest. So thank you so much for this opportunity to speak today. And I'm excited to speak to you all as we continue our series in the chapter of Luke. But before we do, I want to just pray over our nation. Um, If you've been watching the news lately, you've seen what's happening in Afghanistan, uh, what's been happening in Haiti. There's a lot of things to pray about. The Word of God says that we are to lift up prayers to Him, that if we were to turn and we are to lift our eyes to Him, that He will heal our land. I really believe that. I believe that the prayers of the righteous, the word says, availeth much. So we're going to lift our prayers to Jesus today. Can we bow our heads? Jesus, I thank you for this moment, this time that we get to spend together. But Father, we lift up in the name of Jesus. We lift up the nation of Afghanistan to you right now. The turmoil and the crisis that is happening. All these different things. God, we lift up our brothers and sisters in Christ, the local church that is experiencing persecution, and the people of Afghanistan who are in turmoil. God, be with them, bless them, strengthen them, protect them. We ask for your protective hand and a hedge of protection around families and kids. Father, we would ask you would be with Haiti as they've experienced an earthquake. Father, be with them, strengthen them, uphold them, as your word says, with your righteous hand. Help them in these times of trouble. Give them peace that passes all understanding, be with them, Lord Jesus, and then we lift up our world, we lift up even the United States of America, we are a nation that there is much division and strife and anxiety and fear, but Lord, I thank you that you're above all of that, and I thank you that today we can lean on you, and Father, we ask in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, you reign supreme, none of these things catch you off guard, But Father, you are in the midst, so Father, we ask that you will do what only you can do. Help us to do our part. We pray, God, we seek, and we ask that you would do what only you can do. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Amen. We're going to get into the chapter of Luke. I'm going to jump right in. and We see in this chapter, Luke chapter 6, verse 20, that Jesus is addressing the disciples specifically. So this is the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus turns towards the disciples and he starts to speak to them in what we would call the Beatitudes. So a lot of us, even as kids, you would know the Beatitudes. Your parents may have recited the Beatitudes to you. But Jesus, says, he lifted up his eyes on his disciples and said this, "'Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you shall be satisfied.'" Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. Verse 23, rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for so their fathers did to the prophets. Before we even go any further, one takeaway I want us to understand is notice the tense in the the terming that Jesus used, the terminology. Jesus didn't say, blessed are those who have been poor. He didn't say, blessed are those who have been hungry. He didn't say, blessed are those who have wept. Blessed are those who have been hated. He said, blessed are you, present tense. Why would Jesus say that? Why would he say that that you are blessed in the middle of crisis? That's what I want to talk to us about today. I've titled it Blessedness in Crisis. I think if we're honest with ourselves, we are in a time in our world where we are experiencing crisis like never before. We we see crisis all around us. We see crisis in our nation. We see crisis in leadership. We see crisis happening in schools. We see crisis happening overseas. There is crisis all around us. But I want to encourage us today that even in the midst of this, that crisis has a purpose. Crisis has a purpose. If we're to study the Beatitudes, to break down the Beatitudes, in Latin it says this it's the beatitudo, which means blessedness. Which means Jesus is trying to tell the disciples that even in the midst of all of your crisis, I'm still blessing you. Even in the midst of all your trials, I'm still faithful. Even in the midst of the darkest circumstances of your life, I'm still good. He's reminding them that I still bless in crisis. You know, I believe crisis reveals our inner strength, but also crisis reveals our inner weakness. Crisis will reveal what is best in you, but it will also reveal what is worst in you. You know, when I was thinking about crisis the other day, Uh, My wife and I, we have a a funny way of knowing when I'm going through a tough day. One of the indicators my wife looks for is if there is a honey bun wrapper (laughs) in my car. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys are laughing, and you guys do the same thing. A honey bun wrapper in my car, and it's at the bottom of my seat, and it's a glazed honey bun wrapper. That means Josiah is in crisis. I'm in crisis. So she'll come very gently. She'll be like, so how was your day? And She's got the wrapper in her hand. I'm like, you know exactly how my day was. I had a glazed honey bun. It was horrible. Now if it's a glazed honey bun and a frosted honey bun, might as well be Armageddon. It's over. It's over. At that point, I'm going to my room and I'm just going to sulk for a bit. But when it comes to crisis, we all go through crisis, moments of crisis, that there would be people in this room today that you could walk in here and you're going through your own personal crisis. Times of trouble, times where where you are going through the storms of life. Christine Kane says this, this is so profound, she says adversity introduces you to yourself. That you start to really know what you're made of when adversity comes your way. Hopefully not made of honey buns. <laughs> but you start to really know who you are. And the word crisis actually comes from a Greek word called krisis or krino, which means this. It means to decide or a turning point. I actually love that because here's the thing. Sometimes when we're, we are in crisis we feel like we don't have a decision. But Jesus is actually saying, you have a decision that even in the midst of what you're going through, Sorry, side, understand me today, even in the midst of what you're going through, Jesus is telling them, you are blessed. And you have a choice whether or not you believe you're blessed or not. You have an opportunity here to understand how blessed you really are. But if we're to talk about the crisis or the crino to decide or a turning point, every crisis in our lives will force a decision or a turning point. It will force something for you to have some sort of decision or turning point moment. I heard it said that the Sermon on the Mount reminds us all that the same seeds of potential waywardness are in all of us. That in crisis, I have a choice. What seeds am I planting? Am I, am I planting seeds of doubt? Am, am I planting seeds of fear? Am I, am I so caught up in the crisis that I miss out on the blessedness of Christ? Who Christ is in the middle of crisis? I asked a question the other day on Facebook. Asked this question of people, I just asked, what does crisis reveal? When you think of crisis, what does it reveal to you about somebody? Or in the midst of crisis? And here was some of the responses. People wrote back, crisis reveals fear. Crisis reveals blame. Crisis reveals faith. Crisis reveals trust. Who do you trust in? What do you trust in? Crisis reveals your strength. It reveals your weakness. It reveals your commitment to things. Are you really committed? Crisis reveals your priorities. It reveals truth. It reveals hope. Crisis reveals mercy. It reveals resilience. Crisis demands a response. Crisis will reveal somebody's potential. Crisis will show somebody's dependency. It's very interesting when we talk about crisis that oftentimes, if I'm to speak really bluntly today, oftentimes we think blessing lies on the other side of crisis. Now we say to Jesus, once I get through this storm, then I'm blessed. Once you pull me out of this pit, then I'm blessed. Once you do all that stuff, and once I'm out of this valley moment of life, then I am blessed. But I want to encourage you that the blessing lies in the crisis. That Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, and forever. That just because you're going through a difficult time does not mean that he's not good. Does not mean that he's not faithful. Does not mean that he is not who he says he is does not mean that his promises aren't true. Some of us need to get a hold of this today because we're waiting for God to bless us on the other side of crisis, and he's telling us this morning that my blessing is in the crisis. I'm still the same God that's going to be out of the crisis. I'm still good today as I'm going to be 10 years from now. I'm still who I say I am. (laughs) The blessing in the crisis. Rick Joyner says this. He says, most Christians long to see miracles, but they don't want to be put in a position where they'll need one. We want to see God move, but we want to see God move on our behalf and remove us from the situation. You guys thought you were good. You, you, you're like, man, this is a little rough. I want to encourage you today that just because you're not removed from the situation does not mean that God is not willing to bless you where you're at. We look at sometimes, again, in the midst of crisis and we get our blinders on, we hunker down. And what if God's story side is trying to reveal to us something new and fresh and saying, listen, if you would only open your eyes and see how good I am in the midst of crisis and now I'm working. Sometimes we can get so caught up in what's going on around us. In our Facebook feeds, come on somebody. Sometimes we can start feeding ourselves with all the news. You talk to somebody and all you hear is fear and worry and doubt and I want to just ask us to lift our eyes up today off of the crisis and realize how blessed we really are and that Jesus is still moving, <laughs> and souls are still being saved, the church will still move forward, the kingdom of God will remain. You know, we like the miracle, we like the blessings outside of crisis, we say to God, get me out of crisis. If we are to track our our prayers, oftentimes we say, God, if you could get me out of this, then I will. Then I'll serve you. God, if you will just remove me from this situation, then I will glorify your name. Then I'll I'll worship like I've never worshipped before. I'll pray like I've never prayed before. I'll get into your word like I've never gotten into your word before. I believe God wants to turn the tables on that today and to encourage us that the blessing is in the crisis. Don't wait till you're out of the storm for God to be seen in your life. Don't don't wait, don't wait till you're out of the trials and tribulations you go through to say that God is good. He's still good. My question today would be this as we open what if your blessing story side is in the crisis. What if your blessing is in the crisis? What if instead of deliver me, we change it to God, help me to see what you're doing? God, help me to see. What if instead of God, remove me from the situation, you say, God, what do you want me to do in the midst of this situation? Because here's the thing, oftentimes we may say even this, I'm not going through a crisis, Pastor Josiah, I'm not. Well, you may be the blessing somebody needs who is going through a crisis, God may be asking you to open your eyes to somebody. There's somebody in your row today who is dealing with crisis. There's somebody that you've encountered this past week who is going through a storm of life, but what if we opened our eyes and we said, I'm willing to be the blessing in the midst of crisis. God, however you want to use me. Maybe you're not going through a personal crisis, but you can be used to help somebody in crisis. If we were to look at the benefits of crisis I believe this, that crisis forces calibration. What do I mean by that? I mean that there is these moments of life that when you are in the storms of life, it forces you to recalibrate and to realign with what is most important. To realign your life. Crisis forces you to make these adjustments and choices. Crisis will force you to recalibrate. If you've ever driven a car and it starts to move to the left or to the right, it means you need an adjustment. Sometimes crisis is the adjustment. It causes you to look inward, to be introspective, and ask God, what do I need to do? How do I need to recalibrate to get targeted and focused on what's most important? Crisis gives clarity. Sometimes in the midst of all these things, people don't know what's most important, but, but crisis, whether it's your faith whether it's your family. I've seen people in the midst of crisis crumble. I've also seen people emphasize what's most important. I've seen them walk back to their faith. I've seen lives turn around. I've seen marriages be restored. I've seen people in the midst of crisis go back to their families and understand that the clarity crisis brings, how important it is that in the midst of it that they have clarity and they understand what's most important. Crisis will show your character. Crisis shows character. If you've ever been in a place where you've experienced much pressure, oftentimes when you're under pressure, what's in you will be revealed. What's on the inside of you, what you've been pouring into yourself, will be revealed in you. When the pressure hits, crisis always reveals the character of somebody. You may even be thinking about somebody that when they're not in a mode of crisis, they're someone completely different. And then when they're in crisis, they turn into somebody completely different. Crisis will reveal your character. Character comes to the surface under pressure. It's this. It's simply this. It's who you are and whose you are. Those are the two things that that when your character is under testing, it's who you are. Will come to the surface, and also whose you are. Are you, are you sold out to Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Because in times of pressure and testing, whose you are matters. Whose you are matters, because the only thing that will stand the test of time, the only thing that will cause you to be able to walk through crisis in a healthy manner, is that you know whose you are. You know I'm, I, I'm sold out to Jesus. You know that I am, I am his and his alone, that there's nothing that can come for me, there's nothing that can come against me that I cannot handle with his help. You know whose you are. Crisis reveals character. Another thing that crisis does, which is the most important part, is crisis should always and does elevate Christ. We look at Christ, and again, with the crisis moments of life, oftentimes when we are in crisis, what happens when you feel attacked? If you have ever boxed before, or you've ever gotten to the point where you've had to protect yourself, you always put your hands up. One of the first lessons of boxing is they tell you to put your hands in front of your face. One of the first lessons is to learn defense, but oftentimes when we're in crisis, that's all we do, and we can't see. We can't see. But God's word says this, says, I lift my eyes up. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, creator of heaven and earth. See, there's something about getting your eyes off of the crisis. I know it's tough, story side, and I know it's difficult. But getting your eyes off, some of you guys are digesting so much fear and worry and anxiety. Get your eyes off of the crisis and get your eyes on Jesus. Because here, at the end of the day, he has the final say. He has the final say. Get your eyes on Jesus. His word says he is the author and the perfecter, the finisher of our faith. One of the things just even in studying with this message this past week, and even in my own heart, I was convicted that sometimes I have thought that, listen, God, if you bless me, it's got to be outside of this dilemma if you bless me it's got to be outside of this crisis and in thinking about this I wrote down this phrase that God's blessing does not exempt you from hardship it gives you strength to withstand it God's blessing I'm going to say it one more time does not exempt you from hardship it gives you it gives you the strength, the strength you need to withstand it, to withstand it. The breakthrough blessing is in the crisis, not out of the crisis. And here's another thing, too. The good news is still good news, whether it's in the crisis or outside of the crisis. God is still good. He's still faithful. He's still who he says he is. And the blessing still happens in the midst of the storms of life. I would ask you today, if even if you're not going through a crisis yourself, would you ask yourself, how can I be a blessing to somebody else who is? You see, we live in a world where people are consumed by what they deal with, and we need to get consumed with who Jesus is. We get so caught up with everything that's going on around us and we actually miss out what God is doing within us and wanting to do through us. But if he breaks down this scripture, as we get ready to come to a close today, I want to just go through the Beatitudes briefly with you today. It says this, it says, Blessed are the poor, for yours is the kingdom. What did Jesus mean by this? One of the things I believe he meant was oftentimes what we view as value is not what he views as value. That his kingdom mindset turns our value system upside down. That he says this, when you're close to Jesus, your value system shifts. What you value most shifts. And here's the thing, at the end of the day, if I'm bankrupt financially, I want to be rich in Christ. That's so what he's talking about. Don't worry about the monetary things. Those are fine. It's good. If God's blessed you with wealth, use that wealth to bless the kingdom of God. But here's the thing. He's saying that's not the most important thing. At the end of the day, if you're not rich in Christ, all that thing, all those things don't matter. None of it matters. If you're not rich in Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you're not sold out to him, if you're more sold out to your possessions than you are to him, Houston, we have a problem. If you're in a place where you say, I'm blessed only when I'm rich, Houston, we have a problem. What if we're blessed right now because we have Jesus Christ living on the inside of us? What if we just say today, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Your check account may not be as big as someone else's checking account. I'm blessed. You may not be the next Bill Gates. I'm blessed. That's okay. I'm blessed because I have Jesus Christ. I'm spiritually rich. The richest in Christ is so important and not being spiritually bankrupt. You see, we have so many people that are trying to live their life out of an account that is spiritually bankrupt. Spiritually bankrupt. People that are trying to live a victorious and successful life and there's nothing spiritual in their bank account. They're not getting into God's word. They're not experiencing times of prayer. They're not experiencing the presence of God. They're not emphasizing Jesus as a center and focal point of their life. You can be rich in wealth and bankrupt in your faith. You can be rich in all these things and not have anything. And Jesus is making this contrast that you cannot insulate yourself with only these things. A good house, a good car, a great dog, come on, the American dream. But you need your faith because that is the only thing that will sustain you. When the storm's of life. hear me, story side, when crisis hits, that's what you need. Everything else is going to fade away. But at the end of the day, when crisis comes, you want to be spiritually rich in your faith. I want my account to be full. I want to say, like, I, like, God more. Like, my cup runneth over. Keep pouring blessings on my life. It doesn't have to be monetary things. But God, keep pouring into my life. Why are you blessed? It says this, because yours is the kingdom of God. In other words, you have all the wealth you will ever need. So Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. One more time, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. You have everything you will ever need. He goes on to say, blessed are the hungry, for you shall be satisfied. Have you ever gone without food? And you go to your fridge and you're so hungry, or you just got back from the gym, and you open that fridge, and you're just like, oh, I cannot wait, and there's nothing on the shelf. <laughs> and then you close the door, you open it up again, like, magically, like something's going to appear there, and then, you know, I'll walk away, I'll give it five minutes, I'll give it five minutes. And then you go back again, you open the door again, and it's still an empty fridge. Jesus isn't talking about in this scripture, he's not talking about Physical food. He's talking about spiritual food. But how does this apply to our lives? We have to be so careful that what we go to for our source of spiritual food is good. Some of you guys say, like, Pastor Josiah, I just feel so empty, and I'm so hungry all the time. I just feel like nothing matters. And here's the thing. You're going to the wrong sources. You're getting around the wrong friends. You're getting in the wrong relationships. You're just feeding yourself on Facebook posts. You're going on the Twitter tweets, and you're doing all that stuff. And you're wondering why you're spiritually bankrupt and wondering why you're not full. Because you're eating, eating the wrong things. You're, you're, you're eating on the wrong things. You know, you open that fridge, and I'll always yell when I open the fridge, I'm like, "Babe, we have any food?" And she could yell back, "Get your own food." You know? Some of us have to pick ourselves up and say, "I'm going to Chipotle and I'm getting a burrito in Jesus' name." You have to start doing the right things. Come on, hear me, story side. You have to start doing the right things to say, God, I'm going to feed myself. I'm going to just give you just a little tidbit. It is not your pastor's job to feed you every day. It's not. It is not your leader's job to say, hey, listen, by the way, if, if I'm going to take you through a reading plan. And once you do this, okay, you do this, and then let me know. Once you cross that off, then let's go to the next thing your job is to be spiritually hungry and to develop an appetite in your life to say you know what I can't live without this like I'm so hungry and I'm so desperate for the word of God and if I don't get some of this in me I'm I'm starving what are you feeding yourself on are you hungry for the presence of God he's asking this he's saying you're going to be satisfied because I have everything you need you're hungry but hunger for the right things hunger for God's word. Hunger for God's presence. Hunger for times where you can get into prayer. We have to be hungry. There's a desperation that happens. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'll do anything for a honey bun. Oh, will. I'm like, babe, i got to go to the gas station and get a honey bun. What are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? Because it's a spiritual food that satisfies your soul. Nothing else will do. There's a Greek word by the name of hortazo, which means to eat one's fill, to be satisfied. My prayer for you all, whether in this room or online today, was that you would be filled continually with the presence of God. That you wouldn't find your fill from anything else. It's so easy, story side, it's so easy, hear me today. It's so easy to start taking bites out of this little bit of drama it's so easy to start filling yourself up on, like, well, Fox News or CNN. or It's so easy to get on, on and you, you read a paper and you just start filling up. It's so easy to get around the wrong people and you start filling up on negativity. Let's be a church that fills up on the right things, amen? Let's be a church that fills up on the God things. And he says this, he says, blessed are the mournful for they shall laugh or they shall have joy, another edition would say. Was he saying this? You know, if we're honest, who hasn't mourned? Who who hasn't felt pain or loss? Who hasn't grieved at times? But he's talking about a different kind of grief. We often look at this as, as, as talking about the mourning of the passing of a loved one. That's part of it. But also, too, he's talking about this. He's talking about spiritual grieving that happens. And when it means grieving, it's this. Grieving for unrighteousness. That you look around in the world and you, you can have... There's some grief. Uh, grieving for the moral depravity, the breakdown of society. You see things are progressing so fast. You can grieve at the state of things, but here's the thing. He says this, you shall have joy or you shall laugh. What does he mean by that? He means this, that you can mourn, but you're not going to have your blinders on. You can mourn. You can say, man, like what is happening with our world? But at the same time, I want you to keep first things first, and that is at the end of the day, God is still on the throne. God is still good. At the end of the day, you you may mourn, but I'm just letting you know let you know i have the final say i have the final say and we can mourn but yet have joy and we celebrate the kingdom of god having the final say how many of you in this room today you're thankful the kingdom of god has the final say the morning may last for a little bit but the kingdom of god has the final say so what happens when we wake up in the morning we're expectant we're hopeful We're excited. I don't know about you, but I want to wake up with an expectant heart, some expectancy in my life. God, what are you going to do today? God, what do you want me to do? Who do you want me to come in contact with? What if we woke up in the morning and we say, God, what do you want to do? So many times we get caught up in the morning, by belief believe that there's a season for that. But at the end of it, God wants us to be expectant and joyful even in the midst of crisis. goes on to say as we get ready to come to a close, "Blessed are the hated." This is a tough one. "Blessed are the hated." That's a strong word. In fact, a lot of people will get offended by that word. You hear that someone hates somebody and you just get up in arms. "Blessed are the hated." Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and revile you. Spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. In other words, you're going to experience opposition. You're going to experience times where people try to pressure you. But I want to let you know that it's not because of you, it's because of you upholding my name. The name of Jesus. It's a pretty heavy scripture because we look at this and, we're like, man, I don't want to be like Pastor Josiah. I would hate to be hated. I would do anything I could not to be hated. And we see people all the time make decisions based upon what's popular, based upon not creating waves. We love to be liked. We do. Intrinsically, there's something within us that we love to be admired and liked and respected but he's saying this that all that counts for nothing at the end of the day what is most important is that you lift my name up popularity and acceptance will not bring about blessing in your life but a life sold out to jesus will it may look good on the outside and you can have all the followers and you can have the the prestige you can have the right job and people can shout your name from the rooftops but if they aren't shouting the name of Jesus it doesn't matter doesn't matter blessed are you who are hated for my name's sake I was reminded even this past week of what it means to truly stand up for your faith We have brothers and sisters in Christ who are in Afghanistan right now. And I just read uh, an article the other day of a a home church. And they had an audio call with them calling from the United States, calling, checking up on them. And they told them, they said, listen, any moment now, the Taliban's going to come rushing through these doors and we're going to die. It's inevitable. It's going to happen we're not afraid we're hopeful and we feel at peace I want that kind of faith man did that challenge me God help me to have that kind of faith faith that would say we see see we get we walk away from our faith when we experience rejection what would happen if we had a faith that would say if it means my life I'm not walking away. If it means everybody rejects me, I'm not walking away. If it means I'm spit on and people try to drag my name through the dirt, I'm not walking away. I believe we live in a time, we talk about crisis, but I believe in crisis that the true church is going to arise. That people that say, listen, it's not just in word, but it's in deed that everything I do is going to be for you, Jesus. We're going to say enough is enough. That there there is no gray area church anymore. You're either all in or you're not. The line's been drawn. It's been drawn a long time ago, but we're seeing the line a lot clearer. But I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you guys say, I could never have faith like that. Yes, you could. Oh, yeah, you could. And it starts with you having a relationship with Jesus. It starts with the transformation process of having Christ in your life. It starts by saying this, I'm loved by Jesus, and that's enough. I actually said that to myself this past week. Josiah, you're loved by Jesus, and that's enough. You don't need anything else. You have all you need. And just to challenge you today, as a church, we have to stand at the risk of being unpopular, at the risk of being hated, at the risk of being rejected. That's the least we can do for what Jesus has done for us. And God, help us to have courage. God, help us to have a faith that would stand the test of time. I don't know about you, but at the end of my life, I want to say, look back and say, I did everything possible to get just even one more person to Christ. I didn't let popularity sway what I said. I didn't let, I didn't let people dictate the terms. I let Jesus guide and direct my life. There's something amazing about that. And that'd be my prayer for you guys today as we get ready to close. Just want to come full circle. Tell you this, that God blesses in crisis. Somebody say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Come on, one more time, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. What if we truly believed that this morning? That I'm blessed, that I don't have to be out of crisis to know that I'm blessed within the crisis God, if you don't have to, you do not have to take me out of the storm to know that you're with me in the storm. God, you don't have to even heal me to know that you're a healer. God, help us to have that kind of faith. That kind of faith that would say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Job said this. He said, I'm blessed going in. I'm blessed going out. A man who experienced every bit of crisis you and I could ever deal with. His family died. All his wealth was taken away. He was inflicted with pain and sores and boils all, all over his body. and He still says, I'm blessed. How do you do that? How do you do that? You get all these things that we would view as a blessing or taking away, and he still says, I'm blessed when I go in. I'm blessed when I go out. I'm blessed when I'm born I'm blessed when I die Can we bow our heads together today This feels so strongly in the room today again even in preparing for this message that there's people in here that you've been looking at crisis the wrong way You've actually let your crisis dictate your life You let the storm control the direction of your life you've allowed the things you've been facing to call the shots and i'm here to tell you today that god is in the crisis god is in the crisis he's with you you may you may not realize it yet but he's been he's been with you the whole time you may not even know how much you're blessed but I want to encourage you, story side, today, that you are blessed beyond measure. If you have Jesus for you, who can be against you? What can be against you? There is nothing you can face as insurmountable to him. And I just felt even on my heart that there are some marriages in this room, you're going through crisis. You're going through Crisis. God needs you to open up your eyes and look at the opportunity. This is an opportunity to have the healthiest marriage you've ever had. Just allow God to be at the center. Some of you, you've been dealing with addiction for so long, you say, listen, this is my crisis. This is all I know. I want to encourage you, you can have breakthrough this morning. That Jesus is still In the business of breakthrough. Some of you today, you have such crippling fear. I've talked to some of you. Your fear is so crippling, it's actually caused you to freeze up and not do what God's called you to do. And I'm asking you in the name of Jesus today to realize that you're more blessed than you realize. You're more blessed than you think that God can give you not a spirit of fear, but of power Love and a sound mind today. You don't have to be consumed by fear. Some of you today, you say, Listen, my family is in so much turmoil and brokenness. I want to let you know God's blessing can still be upon you even in the midst of that. If you say today, just in all honesty, with every head bowed and eyes closed, You say, Pastor Josiah, I'm going through crisis. It may not be personal. It may be something you're dealing with. You just see so many different things. I know people who feel so overwhelmed right now. You say, I'm going through crisis. You don't have to shout it from the rooftops, but I do want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you in this moment. Every hand raised that's going through something right now. Just be honest before God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. God, you see every hand raised in this place, every person who's dealing with a crisis in their life. And God, I thank you. I thank you that the crisis doesn't dictate the outcome. But somebody in this room, they're going to experience breakthrough today. They're not going to leave this place. They're going to, without breakthrough. That breakthrough's coming, story side. Breakthrough is coming, you in the back with your hand raised. Breakthrough is coming for your marriage. Breakthrough is coming for your finances. Somebody needs to understand, breakthrough is coming. God's blessing is in the crisis. Don't wait to call upon him until you get out of this. Call upon him right now, Just in your, even in your own words. Call upon his name right now. Call upon the name of Jesus, the name that is above every circumstance. Call upon his name when you feel frustrated and overwhelmed. Call upon his name when you feel debilitated with fear. Call upon his name when you don't know what to do and you don't have answers. Call upon his name. Call upon him. Call upon Jesus. Call upon Jesus. James 1, 2 says this, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds for you know that the testing, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I believe that God is creating a steadfast church. I think there's some people, you came in this morning and you were on shaky ground and I'm believing today you're gonna set your feet upon the rock, the foundation that's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. I'm believing you're going to set your feet today. And like that psalm says, on Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground, all these things, the storms, the crisis of life, all these things are shifting sand, but on Christ the solid rock I stand. On Christ the solid rock I stand. And finally in this room, we, we talk about going through storms and we talk about crisis We all face it to some degree or another, but I do know this, that you cannot face it without Jesus. That if Jesus is not in your corner, it's awful hard to get through the storms of life. And I just want to give an opportunity in this room today, just feel like there's some people that may be here, and you may say, I've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ. I've never made him the Lord and the Savior of my life, and I want to give you an opportunity to do that. You say, I'm not going to face one more crisis, one more storm alone. I know how much I need Jesus. You feel it in your heart right now. You feel Him, the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart right now that I need Jesus. I can't do this alone. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I need Jesus. I need Jesus. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm just going to walk you through a simple prayer. And I just would appreciate if we all pray this together today just repeat after me dear Jesus I know I've sinned I know I need you I'm desperate for you come into my life restore my life become the Lord and Savior of my life I thank you for what you've done for me on the cross I thank you for dying for me I thank you for rising or raised from the dead for me. God, thank you for all you are. I ask that you would come into my heart, lead and direct my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we stand to our feet today? We're just about to go. We're going to let you guys all get to your lunches and all that fun stuff. If there was some cane's chicken around here. I'd be, I'd be eating some. With some cane sauce and some Texas toast. My gosh, there's like people amening in the room. And I can't forget the fries. But I want to just encourage us. We're going to end on one psalm today. The song, the lyrics say this, it says, something has to break, something has to break right now. Right now in your name, something has to break. And I just want to give us one more opportunity as a church body that if you have anything that you came in here today and the Holy Spirit's been prodding your heart and saying this needs broken off of your life, I want to give you another opportunity. I feel so strongly. There's some people in the room that you just say, listen, if pastor decided this gives one more opportunity for me to h- receive prayer, one more question, uh, God, I'm, I'm surrendering today. So can we just surrender with our hands raised, all our hands raised in this place, and just believe for each other, but believe that God's going to break things off of our lives? Come on, I believe.